Well, the loss of someone is a big event, a life-changing event for a family and for a community. Uh, there are a lot of different life-changing events. Maybe you've had a life-changing event. Uh, let's share for a second. As you think back on your life, what are some of the, the times that you've seen, man, this was so crucial. This, this may change the trajectory of, of where I was going or where my family was going. Let's, let's share for a second. Yes. When the board sold camp today. Yes. Yes. Life change. Yes. For your family and for a lot of other families as well. When I found out that my husband had Alzheimer's. Yes. Yes. Yep. And loss. Even though there wasn't a loss, there was a loss in that. We got saved. Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Taking on a guardianship of, a guardianship of those who are in need uh, when others can't take care of them. Losing a mother and father within your Yeah, loss. Loss is a huge change. <laughs> I think that's a movie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what about some of those uh, that we, we, we've talked about heavy occasions certainly heavy occasions are life changing uh, we talked about Jesus the day that Jesus stepped into our lives and invited us into his family that's life changing some of these times of joy So now seeing, seeing the, the, the trajectory that he's put you on. Each one of these guys being born. Each one of these guys being born. Laura, do you want to talk about each one of these guys being born? <laughs> no, big news, big news. Yeah, yeah, we've had four of our own. They're scattered throughout the building somewhere. Yeah, yeah we, we got a, a photograph a daughter I made from for us hanging in our bedroom. It's on our wedding day, just the two of us. Standing, mm. kind of yeah. When I look at each other, but we're standing next to each other. Just every time I look at it, the looks on our faces, life is going to be different. You're reminded, reminded of the the, the life change, that dramatic event. Yeah, I, I, my, my big thing I shared on Thursday, which was a huge deal, Thursday was life-changing for us because our, our little guy over here signed his enlistment papers for the Air Force, so i very proud of that, but life-changing. Yeah, so I say our little guy, but he's now a lot taller than I am, so I think that makes me the little guy of the family. Life-changing events. We're going to talk about a man and probably a community, if, you, if we think about this, uh, a man who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Uh, we're in, that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and it's life-changing for him. I think it would be life-changing for his community. And I think it's life-changing for us as well as we look at his story. And uh, we are in Luke, uh, again, Luke chapter 5. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 5, 12 through 16 this morning. 
And so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there, or phone, or tablet, or however you read the Word. Um, and uh, there's Bibles in the, the seats in front of you if you need one of those. But before we dive into the message, how about we stand and read the Scripture together? All right, join me in this one. All set? There we go. Luke 5, 12 through 16. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. All right, you may be seated. Luke 5, 12 through uh, 16. And again, this, this, the, the amazing, life-changing event that happens to this man who approaches Jesus. He approaches Jesus. Luke 5, verse 12, said that while he was in one of the towns, this is Jesus, he's in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here's this man. Scripture tells us, Luke's, Luke tells us the doctor, Luke the doctor, tells us this man had leprosy all over his body. Uh, leprosy was a, a scourge. My goodness, this, this was a terrible, terrible disease. It still is. There, there are still countries, uh, places around, this wor- around the world, third, uh, third world countries specifically, who struggle and would be affected by leprosy. Um, uh, it's in, in the scriptures, leprosy is used to describe a number of different skin diseases. All right, so uh, we think of what is modern-day uh, Hansen's disease. That's what they've called it in modern, uh, modern day, Hansen's disease. But in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, as they're talking about skin diseases, they often use leprosy as a kind of a broad definition of different skin diseases. Uh, the, this passage says that this man was covered basically head-to-toe with this. This was a serious case, a serious case, probably what we would consider uh, in modern terms Hansen's disease. Now, I know we have some folks who are in the medical community who are here with us or watching us this morning, and so I'm going to butcher uh, my, my talk on leprosy, and I'm not an expert on leprosy and, and its medical implications, um, but I've got a, a couple of things here that I, that I saw that were interesting. Uh, many have thought that leprosy is strictly a disease of the skin, and in the scriptures it talks about being a skin disease, because where do you see it? You see it on the skin, um, and uh, uh, so it was, it was thought to be strictly a skin disease. However, it's better classified as a nervous system disease. It affects your nervous system, which then affects your body, and, and, um, and so it's more like a, a bacterium that attacks the nerves. Um, 
uh, see, it can be spread by multiple skin contacts as well as uh, droplets from the upper respiratory tract or um, runny nose, things like that. It can be transmitted from, from person to person. So it's a contagious disease. It's a contagious disease. And that's why you see in the scripture the response that they have to people who have leprosy. First and foremost, you have a, a person who walks into your midst and they're covered with sores from head to toe. Their whole body is covered with sores. They are just one big sore that looks pretty gnarly. Well, you know, there's some other um, things that go along with this as well. Um, it's a nervous uh, system disease. It can um, start like in the brain, there's spinal cord, and then spread out to like your hands, your feet, your face, your earlobes, your nose. You've heard stories of maybe people losing an ear or nose or fingers or something like that from the extremities uh, because it affects uh, the extremities in that way. Uh, there's often disfigurement of skin and bones, twisting of, of limbs, uh, curling of fingers to form like claw-shaped hands and things like that. So you imagine this man who's covered head to toe with leprosy, maybe has some disfigurement. He walks into your midst, and you know that this thing can be contagious. What do you do? <laughs> What's your natural response? Back away. <laughs> Back away. Uh, if, you have, if you have children or whatever, you're like, uh, put them behind me, right? Because I, I don't want them to be exposed to this really, really terrible, terrible, life-altering disease. The, the, man, the, the day that this man was diagnosed by the priest with leprosy was a life-altering day. His life would never be the same. We talk about, you know, we want to talk about the joys that, that are going to come from him encountering Jesus, but the day he was diagnosed with leprosy, was a life-altering, a life-changing for him. If he was married, for his family, if he had kids, for his kids, uh, parents, grandparents, whatever in his little community, he's in one of these towns, this is life-changing. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, it could cause extreme pain. He, he's walking around, and, and not only is the, there's a stigma about him, but I mean, he's, he's walking around in extreme pain from this condition. Uh, it was dreaded. Leprosy was dreaded in the ancient world and still today in various parts of the world that still would suffer from this. But this was, this was a dreaded disease. And what do you do with this disease? You cast the people out. You put them on the outside. If it's contagious, you see these people walking around contagious. You don't want to have any part of that or have it spread throughout your town. The only thing that you can do is, is put them on the outside. Put them outside. In, 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 uh, in the scriptures, the, uh, you know, it really meant that as, as you were walking around with this disease, you were cut off from your family, you were put outside the camp or outside your town. This is where you go to live now in the wilderness, in the, the deserted places where no one else is around. Uh, no one wants to see you. No one wants to be around you. Certainly no one wants to touch you or hug you or whatever. We, we've seen isolation over the last couple of years, right? We've, we've had, now we're gathered here together today, which is awesome, um, you know, and we can't wait to move out of this time of, of isolation, this, this, this isolation that we've experienced. Imagine this man, what his isolation, what his life was like. 
I mean, you, you see him walking down the road and people are swerving off the side, swerving, you know, to miss him or to pass him, you know, and, and go a different route or whatever. He's supposed to move out of the way. He's supposed to leave. He's supposed to not be in anybody's presence. So you were cut off from your community. You're also cut off from worship. You can't, if you can't go into a town, you can't go to the synagogue, all right, to worship God uh, with the rest of your community. You certainly cannot go into the temple. In this, in this condition. So you are cut off from your, your, your worship from God. In a real sense, you're cut off from God. You're cut off from your community. This, this is his life. This is his life. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, we see that the nation had certain laws and rules and regulations to help deal with this, and called the purity laws. Uh, this dealing with skin diseases is found in Leviticus 13 and 14. If you want to read all sorts of great stuff on how to deal with a skin disease and what the, the process and procedures are, hey, I encourage you to go read Leviticus 13 and 14. Leviticus 13, just to give us a little preview, the first couple of verses in Leviticus 13. Uh, this says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. When a person has a swelling scab or spot on the skin of his body, it may be a serious disease on the skin of his body. He is to be brought to the priest Aaron or to one of his sons, the priests. The priest will examine the sore on the skin of his body. If the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is in fact a serious skin disease. After the priest examines him, he must pronounce him unclean. There's a lot more in this chapter. There's like you know 40 to 50 verses in this chapter about dealing with skin diseases. If it, it looks like it goes under the skin, if it's just above the skin, if the hair is not white, or if the hair, you know, all of these different variations that the priest is going to look at and evaluate someone who comes up to them and says, you know, okay, well, yep, I think that looks kind of, that's new, it's growing, it's spreading, or no, that's not actually so bad, but here, this is what you're going to do. Uh, and the priest would evaluate and give direction on what this man or woman would need to do for like the next seven days, and it may be quarantined for seven days. It talks about quarantine for seven days. Then they can come back in, and they would examine their body again. And if things had changed, they could go back into quarantine again for another seven days, and then, okay, come back in. This man has a serious skin disease because it is all over his body, all over his body. And so the priest would be called in, to evaluate the severity of the disease and the condition and to, um, to pronounce that he was clean or unclean. Clean meaning, hey, come back in, part of the community, everything's open to you. Unclean meaning, nope, you need to be separate. And again, maybe it's just for a short period of time, seven days, quarantine for seven days, as then we watch and evaluate and see what changes, come back in, and we'll look again. Nope, we'll do it again because it hasn't gone away. Uh, this man, obviously, with his condition, it had not gone away. It had not gone away, and he was unclean. Unclean. Leviticus 13, the end of the chapter, gives further instructions on how a person in this man's state was to be handled so that he did not infect the rest of his community or infect his family or, 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 or taint his household. Leviticus 13, 45, and 46 say this. 
The person who has a case of serious skin disease, so someone who's gone to the priest, man, it's gotten worse, it's gotten bad, it's spreading, it's, you know, it's, it's taking over your body, all right? This is, this is the, the state of this man, is to have his clothes torn, his hair hanging loose, he must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. So this man's walking around with a covering over his face, crying out wherever he goes, unclean, unclean, all right? He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. This is when they were in the desert, wandering around the desert. So he needs to be outside the camp. Now they're in towns and villages and, and places, like communities. This is, they have to be outside of the town. This man, just the, he suffers from a terrible, terrible, terrible condition. Terrible pain, constant physical pain, social isolation. You think about that, and talk about we've gone through some isolation ourselves in the last couple of years, and what's happening because we've had to be isolated. Depression has gone up. Anxiety, cases of anxiety have gone up. Uh, Suicide ideation and attempts on suicide have gone up over the last couple of years within our communities, within the United States, around the world. Imagine this man, what's going through his mind, what's his state, where is he mentally and emotionally, all right? We, we kind of see these pictures and, oh, here's this, this sick man who he just wants to be healed and, and free from this disease. The weight, the burden, the emotional state, I mean, we, we've started to witness and feel a little bit of that in our communities and with friends and loved ones. We've, we've experienced loss because people have passed away over the last couple of years that we didn't expect to lose so soon. This man has, and people in his state have lost everything, lost everything, all right? Leprosy, you know, th- this was, for him, this was going to be a lifelong Thing. The reality is this is going to be a lifelong thing. He was going to be shunned. He was going to be cut off from, from worshiping in the temple, cut off from his community, carrying this, this stigma and the shame, as well as that emotional burden that's going to come with this disease. This is the man who walks up to Jesus in this time, in this place. A heavy heart, a mind that's racing, and physical pain to, to go with it. And it was common at, at this time to uh, associate a disease like this with, with sin in someone's life. We, we see this in, in John, the Gospel of John, when Jesus' disciples ask him in John 9, 2, Rabbi, he's talking about, a, talking about a blind man here that they're encountering, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is the question of the day. When you see this leprous man walking by you on the street, your question is, man, what is wrong with him? Not just the skin disease. What is wrong with his heart? What is wrong with his beliefs? What has he done against God in order to come down with this, in order to be stricken with this? Is it something he did? Maybe something in his family in the past? What happened to him? What separated him from God that he is stricken with this curse? 
So he's racking his brain. He's going through the emotional uh, trial and trauma and all of that. And people around them are, man, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Their outward appearance, his outward appearance, was going to be a representation of his inward state for the people around him. You see why this would be so devastating, right? I mean, can you, can you feel why this would be so devastating, so life-changing? And there were steps to get back into community. There were steps that you could take to get back in community. But the, the interesting thing is, as you were following the law, as you were going to the priest, as you were having thing, your, your, your body and your physical sense, uh, state um, evaluated, the law and the priest couldn't heal you. All that the law and the priests could do was to evaluate and judge or proclaim you're either clean or unclean. You, you wouldn't go to a priest looking to be healed. You would go to a priest uh, expecting him to be able to evaluate, did God heal you or not? Did God remove this from your life or not? So these laws and these rituals were set up to, to purify you, to bring you back into community after God had given you the healing that you desired. After God had brought the healing into your life, then you would go through purity rituals to then get back into community, just like any other, any other sin. God had forgiven you of, of a sin, or, or you'd confess something, and then you go through rituals and things like that uh, to be clean, to, be entered back, to enter back into community. So there are things that you could do to get back in. And we're going to see what Jesus does with this as well. Uh, one of the first things that you could do. First phase was uh, you would take a couple of birds, you would get bird blood and mix it with water, and then you would sprinkle it on the person, and then you would sprinkle it on another bird and release that bird, symbolizing that, that this is going away from you. The impurity is, is, going, is taken away from you. And this was like the first phase of what you would go through. Again, this is after you had experienced kind of the, the healing. Then you could do a quarantine and you would do ritual baths, just to make sure, okay, you'd go through a ritual bath practice, uh, and you would, uh, that would happen during your seven-day quarantine. The, the third phase, basically after you had been uh, healed and pronounced that you were free of the disease, then you would go and sacrifice uh, at the temple, or, um, and you would have a blood and oil sacrifice, and the priest would come and place some of the blood on your, your ear, your thumb, and, and the toe of the healed person. But with all of those laws, all those rituals, they, they were not meant to heal you. They were just meant to show that you've been healed and that you've been freed from this. God was the one who had to do the healing. God was the one who had to do the delivery from this disease, from this condition. Only God could bring the healing. The priest was there. The law was there just to evaluate and then state, yes, you are clean or you are still unclean. They could only determine. They couldn't bring the healing. And so an atonement was needed. Someone stepping in. And, and offering up on your behalf reconciliation to uh, heal you from this disease. And so here's this guy. He's supposed to be waiting outside of the city, outside of his community, in shame, in pain. 
and he's waiting out there. He's supposed to wait out there until someone steps in for him or something changes in his physical condition. And you would hope that while you were in those outside of the community that, okay, is that, is that a new spot or did the spot go away? Is it, is it spreading or is it going? Am I in the path of recovery or am I moving further down the road of, of this disease? And the amazing thing is this man comes to town and approaches Jesus. This man was not supposed to come to town. This man was not supposed to enter the city, enter the town. I can imagine when this man walks down the street, what's happening again? People are scattering from him. People are scattering. This took some courage on this man's part, right? This took some courage. This also took some confidence that he was approaching someone who could actually bring healing to his life, right? As he's approaching Jesus, what, what does he say to Jesus? He says, Lord, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. This man recognizes Jesus who, is, who can bring cleansing to his life, who can um, make him clean, free of this disease. What was he supposed to do when he walks up to Jesus? What was he supposed to say? With his mouth covered? Unclean, unclean. He was supposed to say, unclean, unclean. He walks up to Jesus, and what does he say? You can make me clean. I know that you can make me clean. He sees Jesus, and he sees, uh, sees one who is clean. He's like, I, I, I see who you are and what you are and, 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 and what you're doing, and I want that transferred to me. I want to experience that. It's like, I want that to rub off on me, all right? And Jesus always invites those who are out on the outside. He invites them in. Here's the story, right? This is the story. In verse 13, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus doesn't just even invite him in and say, well, you stand right there. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do this miracle from the distance, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Jens, I understand your condition, but, you know, you stay there. We got the six foot going on kind of thing, you know, and you stay there and, and I'll just shoot it over to you. All right? Now, what, what does Jesus do? Touches the man. What happens when you touch a leper? You are unclean, right? I mean, you are unclean. And Jesus reached out. I, I, like, I don't want to give too many illustrations from the, the, the show The Chosen, but I love the episode when Jesus encounters the leper. If you've not showed, Jesus doesn't just reach out a hand and, and you know, like t- tap his shoulder kind of thing and like still keeps it at the distance. It wasn't a touch like, okay, you stay there kind of thing. What does Jesus do? He embraces the man, brings him in for a big old hug. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus, you know, touching this man, you know, everybody around him, what do you hear in the audience around Jesus? As not a, Yes, exactly. Can we all do a gasp at this? <gasps> and then a hush. I think a hush goes over the crowd. And I think his disciples are probably saying, what do we do now? (laughs) 
and probably like I'm, well, I can't, we can't touch Jesus. I mean, you know, all, the, all these thoughts start swirling around the crowd's head. What do we do now? What just happened? Jesus, did you, do you not understand <laughs> what, what this means? Did you not see his condition? Do you understand what he's going through now, what you're going to go through? Going back, you know, and talking about the question that the disciples posed to Jesus about the blind man who sinned. Who sinned, this man or his parents, to, to make him blind? And this is the question swirling around for this man, too. Who, who sinned, basically, you know? Who, who sinned to cause this disease to come upon him? This, they lived in a time, in a culture, when they were trying to get everything right. You know, they had the, the, the empire over them, and they wanted to shed that. They wanted to be God's people, considered God's people. And in order to do that, they thought they had to get everything right. This is why you have the priests and the religious leaders, uh, you know, adding and adding and adding to the law. Because, okay, well, wait, just, just in case. We've met, well, just in case, we add a little bit more, add a little bit more to it. They, they're trying to get everything right. And when you get things right, you are contributing to the coming of the Messiah, the only way the Messiah is going to come if we act and perform and live our lives right. Then we will prove that we are God's people and the Messiah can come and free us from our burden. This is kind of the thought of the day. And this is why the, the, the religious leaders were pretty free on casting people aside. And it's like, well, you're not really part of our community. If you just do what we do, then we'd make it through. And God would bless us, God would come, God would deliver us as he has promised to deliver us. And here's this man, and in their minds, he has done nothing right because he's stricken with this terrible, terrible disease. And his sin is affecting the nation. His sin is affecting the Messiah coming into their midst. And he's keeping, basically keeping the Messiah away from them. And what does Jesus do? Jesus invites those who are wrong to come to him. Jesus invites those who are on the outside to come to him. And he embraces them. And he's going to deliver them. This man who was considered a sinner deserved to be separated from God and from his community. He was not right in their eyes. He was holding the nation back from experiencing the blessings of of their God because of what he had done and, and who he was. And Jesus does the unthinkable and invites him in. Reaches out, embraces him, touches him. And it says, immediately, the leprosy left him. The Greek word for will is, can, be, uh, can be the same as uh, desire. He, he says, Lord, if you are willing. I, we, sometimes we read that, Lord, okay, if I've done enough, if, I act, if I've done the right thing, if I've approached the right way, or if I, you know, I've got all my ducks in the row, then, you, God, you may be willing to do this. Jesus says, I am willing. It is my desire to see you healed. For me, that goes to a deeper level. 
It is my desire to see you restored. It is my desire to see you brought back into community. It is my desire for you to have free access to worship God. It is my desire to bring healing into your life. It is my desire to make you clean. This is, this is Jesus' life summed up right here in this little story. It's his desire that people be made clean. Ultimately, we know he's going to have to go and he's going to walk and make the sacrifice so that we can experience true healing in our lives. Jesus is saying, it's my desire that you are invited in here. And Jesus does something interesting. He's done this a couple of times now. He's, he, he sort of wants to shut down the show, right? And what, does he, what does he tell the man? He ordered him to tell no one, verse 14. He ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus knows his culture. He knows his time. He knows the place he's, he's living in. He knows his people, and he knows the, the rules that, he's, that they've been following. He knows what it'll mean for the man to actually present himself. at the Imagine, okay, he walks into town fully covered with sores and spots and diseases. It's obvious. People see it. He walks out of Jesus' presence, skin cleared. It's like having an awesome acne treatment, right? I mean, it's skin totally cleared immediately. And Jesus told, tells him, go and report to the priests. He's basically saying, hey, go to the, back to the physicians and show them that God has healed you. Go back and show them that God has healed you. This guy was a walking corpse, right? This man probably, when he approached Jesus, he may not have many days left. You never know, right? This was a, a death sentence for him, right? People knew. His family knew. His wife, his kids, if he had them, his parents, the, the priests <laughs> certainly knew. They're, they're the ones who told him, no, you got to leave the town. you got to leave the city. You can't come back in until you're clean. We don't know what the, when that's going to happen. You better pray. You better pray. Get people praying for you. What a testimony for the priests. Remember, the, the priests couldn't bring on the healing, right? Only God could provide the healing. So for a man like this to come back into their midst, fully healed and clean, what a testimony for those priests. What a testimony for the rest of his community. But Jesus says, keep that story between, let's keep the story between you and I, though, right? Let's keep the story between you and I. Mark, Mark gives a, a kind of a, a stronger account of this event. And, and here in, in Mark 1.44 says, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. The interesting thing is that the healing of a leper was going to be a sign of the Messiah. Okay? The healing of a leper was uh, going to be a sign that the Messiah had come. The rabbis of the day had said, uh, as far as they understood, that no one in Israel, no one in Israel, had been healed from leprosy. Think about that. 
So you got Leviticus 13 and 14, talks about the skin diseases, talks about the purification process, talks about what you have to do. When God has healed you, then to get back into community, and the priest will then determine and get you back into community. Uh, Jesus alludes to this statement, their, their thought that no one in Israel had been healed um, from leprosy in Luke chapter 4. We studied this a couple weeks ago. Uh, verse 27, in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. He was on the outside. He was a Gentile. The thought of the day was that no one in Israel had been cleansed of leprosy. No one had walked successfully through Leviticus 13 and 14 when they had leprosy. No one had gone through that process. The, the priests had never determined that anybody had been made clean and healed from leprosy. This was the thought of the day. And so then they brought, they said, okay, you know, if this is going to happen, in order for the law to be fulfilled, the Messiah, he's going to be the one who's going to usher this in and take us through this. Jesus affirms. Jesus affirms that healing a leper was proof that he was the Messiah. When he answers John the Baptist, his disciples, their question, John sends them in, in Luke 7. We'll study this in depth in a couple weeks. When the men reached him, they were John the Baptist's disciples. They said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who has come or should we expect someone else? At that time, Jesus healed many people of diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many blind people. And he replied to them, Jesus replies to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Leprosy was going to be a sign that the Messiah had come. And here we see Jesus saying, well, shh, keep it quiet right now. Keep it quiet right now. But this is a sign that they were looking for, that the Messiah had come, Imagine that. No one had gone through the Leviticus rituals to be cleansed from this serious skin disease of leprosy. Imagine that the gravity of that. You, you live with that, and you know there is no hope for me until I approach Jesus, until I come to Jesus. Here's Jesus, and he shows that he is going to be the true fulfillment of the law takes him through the process. He heals him. And then he sends him back to his priest to do the evaluation. He doesn't send him back through all three phases of cleansing. He says, we've taken care of all that. In that moment, we've taken care of all that. But the thing you need to do is to be evaluated. Go, show the priest. They'll, they'll determine that you are, in fact, clean and can come back into community. In response to John's question, who sinned because this had happened to this person, who sinned, Jesus says in John 9, 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's, work might, God's works might be displayed in him. This man boldly approaches Jesus with confidence. That, you know what, I think you can do something for me in, this, in my current state, in my current situation. And Jesus doesn't like, not like the priest who say, no, you wait on the outside until you actually prove that you are healed. And Jesus invites him in and says, I'm going to give you a hug. We're going to take care of this right now. And you're going to go show yourself as a testimony according to the law and according to the priests that God has healed you. 
that God has brought redemption and restoration to your life. And what happens, of course, when Jesus enters into our life? Happened with this man. You can't keep quiet. Luke 5, the last couple of verses, but the news about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Mark again goes a little bit deeper, I think, with this. Mark 1, 45. Talks about the man. He went out and began to proclaim it widely, widely and spread the news. He's telling everybody, this guy can't keep quiet. This is life-changing. This is life-altering. This is the day he's been waiting for since his diagnosis. You ever been diagnosed with something? You're just waiting for that day? Man, I can't wait till God brings healing to my life. With the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in the deserted places, and they came to him from everywhere. I think Jesus here is giving another testimony. In Mark, it says that he couldn't, he couldn't go into a town openly. What had, he had, what had he just done in the midst of a crowd, probably? He had touched a leper. He had healed a leper, but he had touched a leper. Jesus is a faithful follower of God's commands. He talks about his, he comes from a faithful family. He followed the, the law and the regulation. He follows, he still follows the idea of the law and, and the perfect law that God had given. Even he, we see him dismissing all the extra stuff that the religious leaders kind of put into place. But Jesus is a faithful Jewish man walking and living according to the law so that he could fulfill the law and be our fulfillment so that we could walk in righteousness, right? What's interesting in Mark is in Mark 2, this is not on the screen, but in Mark 2, it says that, oh, well, after a certain number of days, Jesus is going back into town. I think Jesus, as a faithful uh, Jewish man, as a testimony sets himself apart in the deserted places, goes to the place where this man had to go to show himself unclean, takes that upon himself, and then he's able to walk back into town and see, this does not affect me. This sin, disease, does not affect me. I think Jesus stays out of town to follow the law, to quarantine in a sense, to demonstrate that he is over the law, over sin, over death. He's not going to be tainted or tarnished by the things of this world. I think it's another witness to people around him. He won't be tainted by the effects of sin. Now, as he's following God's law, his Father's law, he's showing himself as the perfect man one without blemish or sin who can take the place of us who are living in the imperfect state and who need redemption, who need redemption from sin and death and suffering. Jesus is very free with this leprous individual. I am willing, it's my desire to free you from this. Jesus has said that to us as well. I am willing, I desire for you to come to me. 
We may not experience the same situation that this man does, but we all experience pain. We all experience frustration, things that happen in our life, things that come into our life that, that we, we can't walk through on our own, that seem too big for us to carry. Jesus says, I am willing. It's, it's my desire for you to come to me. It's my desire for you to come to me. And when you come to me, I'm not going to push you aside like the priests. I'm not going to make you jump through a bunch of hoops. I'm just going to come and embrace you as you are. I'm going to embrace you as you are. I think many of us in this room have taken that first step where we did, we came to Jesus and we saw his loving embrace. We experienced that, his desire for us to come into his family. And then as we step and walk through life, it's, this is a continual state of, of recognizing a, that Jesus still stands right in front of us and say, I, I am willing, I'm des- my desire is for you to follow me, to keep walking down this path with me. Even in the fear, even in loss, joy, whatever we experience, Jesus is standing right beside of us. I, I am willing, I am willing, it's my desire for you to enter in to this. This is how God sees us as, as this, this man who is now clean. This is how God sees us when we accept Christ as our Savior. We are seen as clean because of what Christ has done for us. And it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Jesus says, I am willing. And what are we? As we gather here today, what are we? We are the body of Christ, right? Jesus is here. He, he was here in bodily form, took on human flesh, and he stands there in front of someone and says, I'm willing, I'm willing, I desire. We stand here as the body of Christ. Are we willing to reach out and touch those in the community who are lost, who have been cast out, who, who are ex- experiencing pain and suffering and, and have no hope? I think as the body of Christ, that's, this is what our response should be as well. We are willing. We are willing. We are willing to reach out to those who are in need. Leprosy was often seen as an outward appearance representing an inward state, and, and it's easy for us to judge people by appearances or by choices that we don't agree with and we're here we see the example of jesus who still has his arms wide open saying it's my desire that you come to me i think this is what he's asked us to do as well it's my desire that you experience jesus as i've experienced jesus and his his arms were always wide open so are so are mine and so are ours May this be our goal in life, to seek God's glory and follow after Jesus' example. Will you repeat this little prayer after me? I think this should be our, our goal in life. Repeat this after me. God, may we always seek after your glory. And may we always walk in the example of Jesus our Lord. Amen.